Welcome to Candy Bar Anchor Boy, a series where I, Mike Rappin, discuss the Netflix original series Sweet Tooth, live on the I Read Comic Books Discord stage with anyone and everyone who wants to chat. Every week we'll be discussing one episode of the TV series and chatting about the comic of the same name by Jeff Lemire, originally published by Vertigo Comics. Now let's get into the show. Episode 4, Secret Sauce. This one's 43 minutes long. I'm keeping track now. Uh, spoilers for Episode 4. You've been warned. I'm just letting you know if you haven't watched this episode, go do so. Then come back. Let's talk about it. And it seems four weeks running. I'm joined by my good friend Danny. Danny, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Mike. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me again. Of course. Of course. I mean, I think you said right before we started get recording uh, that you're in it to win it. I mean, I, I'm in it for the same reason, I guess. I'm here... <laughs> until the very end of this season at least yeah for sure i think at this point i'm already committed to watch this weekly so let's just keep going, going. <laughs> we might as well we record a, good... a podcast about it right <laughs> exactly exactly i should record after every tv show i should just should record a few minutes right it helps with the retention uh and everything i feel like i'm getting so much more out of the show because we're doing you know a show like this but let's let's just dive right into it i've got like some notes i've got some things i didn't like some things i did like um so we opened on straight murder um, this week. Uh, you know, we, we saw a little bit of the murder last week when the, the animal rescue team that I was calling them uh, decided to jump the, the last men that were taking Jeopard and Gus away to some mystery place, probably to go see the big bad villain who we have yet to meet. I know your prediction last week was that it was going to be an episode all about him, but yet we, instead we got the story all about the animal rescue team. Uh, what, what did you think about this? I guess we could maybe talk about that path in the story with the with Gus and Jep going to the animal like rescue they called themselves the animal army but uh they went to their little home base that we saw a preview of last episode what'd you think of all that uh well i think none of these uh kids have read lord of the flies and that's probably a problem <laughs> yeah i think that's definitely true definitely true <laughs> um I, yeah this one was good i it had some i don't know i feel like it was kind of all over the place that's my only, my main complaint overall really was that it was all over the place okay okay um that's really interesting that you say that because I feel like last week's episode was all over the place. And this week, I felt like we're getting a lot of forward progress. We finally got to meet Pig Girl. We got to meet all of the animal army people. And we got to see a little bit, a little tiny baby insurrection among the teenagers. Um, I don't know. I, I actually really liked it. Uh, what was it that you felt like was kind of scattered about the episode? Uh, yeah, I think it was the idea of going back and forth. Like, it was probably mainly the stuff with Dr. Singh. Okay. That okay. felt like it would come out of nowhere. Uh, like we we yeah. we're having this this moment of tension in the other scene, and then boom, swim over to we see what Doctor Singh's up to, and he's up to no good. Uh, right. We know that now for sure. Well, I mean, I feel like he didn't actually. So, like, I, I think the episode was a little vague on his storyline. I guess we're, we'll just jump over to that. Um, his storyline, his like part of the story was a little vague because. They implied that he was kind of torn up over, like, the idea of having to dig through body parts and whatever to get this, to find this temporary cure for his wife. But it seemed to me like he hadn't done it yet. He was just so fraught over the idea of doing it that it was causing him to lose sleep. But did, I, I don't know. What did you think of that? Well, I, I feel the same way up until the moment he wakes up. And I feel like that's when he makes up his mind that he has right. to do it. Right. And every everything after that, every one of his actions was self-preservation for him and his wife right 
after that, I feel like he stopped kind of like, yeah, he stopped caring about the moral dilemma and even about the community. Uh, right. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know that he can. He's going down a path, a path that I can't follow. And... <laughs> well, I mean, OK, so like let's let's add a little bit of context to this, right? Because I feel like Singh's pre- is being pressured from multiple sides, right? He's being pressured from his wife, or not not necessarily from his wife, but he's he's put pressure on himself because his wife is sick. Um, and I feel like there was a little bit of a change in her character this episode where she kind of was like, you know, we'll do whatever we have to do no matter how bad it is because, like, I don't want this. And, and Singh is thinking, God, if I only had another month, I could crack this without having to resort to this problem. Uh, meanwhile, we've also got the, the the city watch woman who is pressuring them because she obviously thinks something's going on. Um, she seems to be kind of a busybody in general, which, like, kind of shows a little bit of the crack of the... Um, uh, what's it called? Like it's it's like the cracks in the facade of the entire society. Like everyone's kind of watching out, and it's a it's that idea of like everybody's going to potentially tell on you. Um, that mentality that is kind of you know rubs me the wrong way. I don't know if you felt that way, but uh, no, the, the whole episode. I was just, the whole episode. I was just, well, not the whole episode, but the whole scene. I was like, I hate homeowner associations. <laughs> That's all I could think of because that lady, yeah. just a, a busybody. All up in everyone's business, and maybe it is for the good of the community, but I don't think so. Like, I'm not, I'm not sad that whatever happened to her happened to her. Right. I'm also not okay with you know like the decisions that have been made. So yeah. I don't feel bad for anyone in that community, really. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's it's really it was that that whole bit was interesting. I felt like her getting killed in the end of the episode by the horse kicking was kind of like. I don't know. It felt to me like an AMC TV show, like Breaking yeah. Bad or Mad Men, where like something inexplicable that you couldn't see coming happened out of the out of a left turn simply because the story needed a resolution and they didn't want to paint the vil- or the main character as a villain. Um, yeah. You know, and you you can you see this in a, a bunch of other shows. Like I mentioned, Mad Men and Breaking Bad, because I feel like in Sopranos, I think even had some of that, where these seemingly random things happen that cause a dilemma, but also help the protagonist kind of move forward in what they were trying to do. Um, it's it, I don't know. I'm not mad about it, but it also feels like kind of a weird trope to to throw into this show where everyone's actions seem to be intentional. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have a question for you about that. Sure. So obviously, Doctor Singh's trying to hide the body because, I mean, yeah, you don't oh, want to. Yeah. Fu- you know, it's going to open up a lot of a big can of worms. But wouldn't you like? I, I feel if I wanted to get away with uh, a murder like that, I would just be like, "Yeah, the horse kicked her." Oh yeah. I'm the doctor. I the horse kicked her. It was an accident. And yeah. instead of like hiding her body. I feel like that's going to cause more problems than if they had just, I guess, admitted that that it happened. Like, it's the horse. Kill the horse if you have to punish anyone, I guess. Right. Not that I want the horse to die. No, but uh, I, I understand <laughs> what you're getting at. But it's 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 really weird because I think the thought process there for Singh, and this is kind of going, I've got a section of questions that I kind of want to go through, but we can go into this one now. Um, I think Singh's justification is he kind of has to start asking, like, if if someone or he has to start trying to contextualize like why all of this happened and then if someone came and asked questions about it he needed to have a solid alibi like he already f things up by like 
not telling his wife that he had made this excuse to the woman about her being sleeping in because of whatever. And I don't think that's his fault. I think that's him covering in a smart way and, you know, him just being um, blindsided by the fact that the woman came back and made a whole problem out of it. But, you know, if the if the horse kicks the, the homeowners association woman and people come around and go, well, why was she here? What were you guys talking about? I think Singh is thinking, I can't put up with scrutiny anymore the same way that she was. And maybe she's not even the worst person, right? Maybe this is the light version of the grilling that he could potentially get from someone else in the community, you know? Um, and if he couldn't hold that up with, you know, his, his facade up for her, what's he going to do with someone that's got a gun, you know? Okay. I mean, okay. Again, yeah, this is me predicting. Yeah. I'm just guessing, but that's my his my thought on his thought process. Oh, if there's somebody else that's more annoying than that lady, I we, feel man, we, I would just go live in the wild. I understand why people live in the wild. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, here's here's the thing: we we still have yet to find the gap connection to right. How do the last men relate to the na- the neighborhood? And we don't necessarily know if they do, but except for the part where the guys that came and dropped off supplies seem to be pretty gruff. I, my memory is a little fuzzy on like what they looked like and how they dressed, but I remember they're big bearded dudes. And from my understanding, that you know, in in army, you know, fatigues almost not army fatigues, but like in like I don't know survival gear. And I my my picture of what the last men look like from the handfuls of times we've seen them survival gear but it's very specific like color oriented i think they usually wear like a yellow color or something so we don't know what the connection is between those these two major factions that we really don't know enough about um so that's i'm worried that that's where it comes to you know and if you've read the comic you know uh danny i don't remember you said you've only read the first volume i think you know that the connection between Singh and the last men is very close we haven't gotten there in the show yet, so I'm curious to know if we're going to be following that path eventually. Mm-hmm. Lot, lot of questions, lot of, lot of really interesting twists and turns that came out of Singh's story this episode. I think that will be a driving factor for the next few episodes in like, in a very, in very quick succession. I think. Yeah, because they left a, a pretty big thread hanging with the him firing off that flare, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which that's the where the name of the episode comes from. <laughs> yeah which i don't i hate the implication of what <laughs> yeah, the secret I, sauce is i was hoping that the episode title was just about like a pizza sauce that these kids eat <laughs> yeah um but let's but let's talk about the animal army for a second right so we end up meeting this group and we not only meet them but we get into some serious stuff with one of the members in particular bear their leader who's very excited that Gus is part of this group. And while they have no trust at all for Jeopard, they at least promise Gus that they won't harm him to start. Um, what did what was your take on the whole storyline with Gus and the kids and all that stuff? Uh, well, I, I think I like their intentions. Uh, I don't, I didn't think it would be uh, devolve so quickly. As far as like, but yeah. I, I I love I love the beginning of it, right? Like Gus being introduced to all these new things. Obviously, they live in an amusement park, so it's even more, even more than just normal stimuli that Gus would be getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and yeah, they all seem uh, pretty pretty much interested in saving the hybrids. Uh, right. So I, I believe those intentions are pure, whether they're misguided or not. Like, which is kind of what. Said bear and tiger under conflict, um, and that that's kind of where it comes from. I also thought throughout the whole thing, I was like, "Oh, this is a big like 
Gen Z versus boomers type of thing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, because it feels like both generations kind of feel like they know what's better. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, just millennials hanging out in the forest by themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's what I like to think to myself that that's probably what, like, yeah, we just want to be left alone. Y'all figure it out. Right. Um, but it, it was very cool. Like, once again, I'm interested in figuring out their infrastructure, but I don't know that we'll really dive into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I like the way they treated Gus. Every, every, every time somebody treats Gus nicely, I'm, I'm happy because I like <laughs> Gus a lot. Same. Same. Well, you know, the thing that I was really blown away by was, like, just the various number of sets that they had and places that they had um, in the amusement park. Obviously, it's a big amusement park, um, but I was really impressed by just, like, the art that was all over the place. Like, I I thought it was really cool when they showed up and Bear was like, every time someone becomes part of the army, they – I don't know why she has this voice, but um, they have to draw an animal, their favorite animal on the wall. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Gus immediately kind of clicks with a lot of that stuff. And I I felt like we got to see a little bit of Gus kind of just being a kid, which was really nice. You know, driving bumper cars, eating candy outside of that kid who had all the rotted teeth. I about threw up when I watched that part. Um, Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it was nice to actually see Gus kind of just being Gus, um, but yeah. still still coming back to, you know, Bear says, hey, do you want to stay here? You want to do this stuff? And he's like, yeah, no, this would be cool for me to come back to, but I got to go find my mom. Me and Jep, we're going to we're gonna go find my mom, so whenever I can get to Jep, we're going to get out of here. And, you know, right. Bear, I feel like, has this internal struggle, um, or maybe, and maybe this might be me reading a bit too much into this, but my thought was that they see a lot of the hybrids. They know that a lot of them can't speak. It seems that a lot of them can't are educated um, outside of the the handful that we've even seen. And I'll touch on that in a little bit. I'm gonna put a pin in in yes. the other hybrids in this episode. But um, still, I, I think that their thought is that these are helpless children that just need someone to watch over them. When and so when meet they, they end up meeting Gus, I think Bear's understanding is that like. No, these are just regular kids. I was a kid like this, lost in the world. I had to find my way, and I managed to do so, and I managed to create this little army where I'm the dictator. Uh, But not that she thinks Gus is going to do that, but she's like, Gus is way more capable than I actually thought. That's why she ends up making the last-minute change in the episode, where instead of killing Jeopard and making Gus watch it in this really pretty like barbaric situation where they were going to feed him to a fucking lion or tiger uh instead she says let's let them go because this kid needs to he he has a goal he has a thing he i had a goal of keeping myself and others safe his goal is to find his mom so let them go um i thought it was really interesting i think to see her change in a moment and again this is me kind of reading into a lot of things but my thought is that they really did think that all hybrids were helpless, but meeting Gus shows that they're not, and that there actually is hope for the hybrid kids. Um, I I really like that um, overall. Outside of the whole, she snaps her fingers, or she made a at one point she uh, bear makes a gesture, and this guy comes over and takes the picture of Gus's mom and goes, "Birdie, Colorado, find everything that you can." I was like, "Where do you?" How? How do you get this power? Like, whatever the line is from Star Wars. Um, right. She definitely just has, like, a... I don't want to say, like, a whip around things, but she definitely is, con- like, has a lot of control. Um, but obviously, it's teetering on, um, I think, some very different worldviews of things. Um, yeah. 
I don't know. I I, really, I thought that was a really interesting scene. I, again, I really like this episode quite a bit uh, because I think we got to see a lot of growth in a lot of characters. No, I completely agree. I, I think the the animal army up to that point before meeting Gus had been seeing the hybrids as more like pets that probably need to be protected mm-hmm. and taken mm-hmm. care of. Because even when at the beginning, like they tell Gus, like, you're free to go now. Uh, even though they know he can talk and everything, like, mm-hmm. but they probably just kind of release all the people, you know, all the hybrids that they can rescue, uh, because we didn't see any more hybrids at the amusement park, right? So that doesn't mean right. that means they're not keeping them around, uh, probably because hybrids don't, or at least those hybrids maybe didn't develop like some of the other ones we've seen, and we can talk about that when we get to to the third uh, storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I <laughs> I did have a note. It just says. So every post-apocalyptic world has a tiger, huh? Yes. Um, uh, this <laughs> I is think all the it's a requirement. <laughs> yes. Uh, but but that set up a really cool scene that I guess Gus can talk to animals. Yeah, maybe? That, I mean, I, I had that in my things that were not so good in the episode. Where does the oh. boy's power end? Is what I'm asking. <laughs> right. Uh, um. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the... I always imagine animals have their own language. Sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think there's there's more to be said about it as someone, you know, like I know the ending of the story, I kind of know where things are going to go. I think introducing this type of idea that Gus is this mediator and he is this person who can be the barrier between the animal world and the human world or the hybrid world and the human world um definitely works and definitely fits. And I honestly like I don't think it's out of character for him. I don't think it's a do sex machina. I think it totally works for everything. Um I was a little like confused when I thought when I first saw it, but I'm like in hindsight like there there's no reason that this this isn't true and I don't know. It's not like it it has any proof in the show, but it it works. Yeah. And I I'm, I'm not mad about it. Yeah, I I I have it, I had a few more questions about the animal army. One of them was like, so do you age out of the animal army? Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> obviously, all these kids are pretty, like, they're all the same generation of kids, it seems like. So, yeah. Like, well, how, when like... when do you become an adult and they kick you out? Right. I was like, there there was like four teenagers that looked like teenagers and then a bunch of 20-somethings is what I saw. Right. Who, who in their right mind is listening to a 15-year-old, let, you know, about, like, how we're going to do things? All she has to do is raise her little bear skull off of her head and, uh, that's it? Like, and everyone's listening? Even if you're, like, the 23-year-old guy smoking cigarettes, just like, I don't have to do what anybody says. Oh, she raised the helmet. I'm going to stop, you know? Um, right. Seemed a little, little odd because Jeopard, I think it's a solid read hunter and he's just like, what? You were five years old when the world ended? Um, what do you think? Which, again, adds a little bit more answers to my question, I think, from the first or second episode about timelines. Seems like it's been about a decade, which, like, tracks. The answer was on the table right in front of me for everybody at home that's screaming at what I'm saying. Yes, Gus was a couple years old when the world ended, and now he's about 10 or 11. So, like, a decade-ish has passed. So, that means that Bear was is probably, like, 15, 16, 17 max. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's leading this army of, like teenagers and young adults um i just think that's fun but yeah it's definitely uh, definitely a good question i i did have another question and maybe if you want some time to think about it you can answer at the end of the episode mm-hmm. if you were to join the animal army what animal would you paint on the wall and uh, become i like this let's 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 save that for the end because i think that's a okay. fun way to end the episode um 
I mean, because regardless, I don't know. I, my other points about the uh, about the animal army was in the background of one of the scenes. I did hear a song by the band Idols. Um, if you want some really fucking amazing, aggressive um, British punk, highly recommend Idols. Uh, I thought that was just a fun little touch to hear that in the background of these with these like these little punk kids and stuff. Um, yeah. And yeah, big old civil war there at the end. I did. I did feel like a lot of the the amusement park hangout place especially outdoors felt a lot like the neverland hangout where all the um the forgotten kids or whatever they were called from the movie the lost boys the lost boys thank you um that reminded me of like the lost boys hangout in the movie hook i don't know if you got that but instead of like bright reds and yellows and blues it was all fluorescent colors like that were highlighted by a uv light (laughs) same kind of feeling yeah uh, but the one thing i will say this storyline did raise a point that it's it's not a complaint it's just i wonder why why netflix and or the the team that's adapting this would do this i feel like they don't give their audience enough credit where how many times did we see tiger like bump heads with bear like oh, we every, knew what was coming every but single I feel time like, she was on screen yeah. you mean <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like they really sometimes i feel like maybe netflix doesn't think the audience is smart enough like to follow along and that little hand-holding, like, I don't really appreciate it in comics. And I yeah. definitely don't appreciate it on my TV shows. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's one little nitpick that I'm like, ah, uh, you know, you guys shouldn't... People that are watching this stuff, like, I feel like you should know of that a little bit. Like, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. If you don't yeah. get it, you probably don't care to get it anyways. Yeah. So, I don't know that you need to. It, it um, would have been nice to see, like a moment of them working together and then the next scene have her be like, but I don't agree with you bear. Like right. that, would, that would have at least given us a little bit of like, Oh, things were actually all calm. Instead. It seemed like there was a, like a, a fracture already there before Gus even showed up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, again, exactly. Like this, this, this maybe kind of speaks to the systems of the world post sick in that, a lot of people have a lot of ideas and maybe we're going to see more fracturing happen among all the various factions, or it's a commentary on the way that society organizes itself today in that dictatorships never work and that everyone, everything should just be like socialist. I don't know. Um, maybe bigger questions than um, we need to answer here in this show about a boy with antlers. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I maybe we were here to solve the world. We're going to get there. By the end of this season, we'll have the world solved. But maybe halfway through the season, we'll get it figured out. Let's let's talk about uh, the third storyline here with Amy, and we finally got a name for her, Pig or Pigtail. Um, what were your thoughts on this? Because I, I all all I have for that section of the episode is all caps. So before I start screaming into my microphone, I'll let you give some notes. <laughs> um, well, I'm very glad we came back to see Amy. And uh, uh, pigtail, I as soon as they stepped out of the zoo, though, I was like, please don't, don't, yeah. don't do this, dude. Um, oof. Uh, I I do think, I do think I I'm getting a little more clarity. I think by the time we see pigtails again, or by the time maybe she meets up, if the the storylines intersect mm-hmm. uh, with Gus, I feel like she's gonna be older. I feel like this is part of the road because we see at the we see that this is kind of where the sanctuary or the preserve is being set up, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you don't want the kid playing with the with the microphone radio, why did you set up the microphone? <laughs> uh, Danny, you're asking the real questions tonight. I appreciate it. 
Look, I don't have any kids, but I I've seen kids before. Like they will touch anything that you leave out there. Yeah. Especially yeah. you know I don't know if if hybrids are more curious than regular kids. They right. seem to be because they right. have like superpowers. Um, yeah. So. Um. No, I I totally agree. I think that you know it it was nice to see like Amy trying to raise pigtail in like the nicest environment possible right trying to give her as normal of a life as she could um obviously amy's been through a lot she's been severely isolated and raising this girl and she does it seems like she has zero connection to the outside world like she goes into the city she gets supplies, she comes back to her little thing, she locks up, and then she just listens to the radio to see what's going on. And it seems like her thought process is, I'm never going out into the world because every time I turn on the radio, it seems like the world is ending again. Um, all yeah. of the radio broadcasts that we heard were extremely terrifying um, to the point where I was like, oh no, is this where Sweet Tooth is going to turn into more of a horror show? Because I'm always waiting for that other shoe to drop on this show. <laughs> right. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like it's ever going to come. I, I just have the, you know, this is an AMC TV show. This is a HBO show. It's going to become really dark and gritty all of a sudden. But, I, you know, four episodes in, things are still pretty wholesome. I mean, I want to talk about my favorite moment later. But, um, yeah, I, I did like to see, you know, this happy, cheery little girl. Very different than Gus, but still, like blooming with positivity in terms of like just being a happy kid um it was nice to see that and to see that amy celebrated that she wanted to encourage it and she would you know we got that moment of them going into the city and coming back and you know them goofing around and stuff and hearing <laughs> hearing pigtail laugh a couple times and they inserted yeah. like a little bit of a snort was probably the funniest cutest thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs> right um, um. Yeah, I, I it, love it. it. I thought that this this was the happiest bit of the story outside of the oh no, last men. It did raise a question to me though. So whenever we see Pixel the first time, she calls Amy mom, right? And I'm like, well, that's nice that she calls her mom, even though mm -hmm. she just, you know, they're not biologically related. Uh oh. And then I started thinking, like, wait, how do I know Puba is like Gus's dad? Yeah. I don't, I only know that because he told me he was. I guess. Right. Well, I think so, that. I, I don't want to spoil it, but I know that there's... I, if they follow some of the trajectory of the comic, there's going to be a big reveal about some of that stuff later. And okay. I'm not going to say anything more specific than that, but, like, parentage and stuff is a big part of the story, I think. It's going to be eventually. Okay. Great. I'm glad... See, see, this is what Netflix needs to understand. I'm smart enough to pick up everything that they're putting down. Totally. totally. You don't need to dumb the show down for me. Uh-huh. Um, so... And I'm not the brightest bulb, Mike. I'll admit that for sure. <laughs> um, but you, you're able to figure out Sweet Tooth is what you're saying. Exactly. This gotcha. is yeah. I'm a Sweet Tooth level of intelligence. <laughs> um, well, I'm you know I'm, I'm proud of you, Danny. I'm proud of you for that. Uh, thanks, I, Mike. With, with uh, the rest of this ep the, this storyline, though, I found it to be super nice and super sweet. Like I said, uh, you know seeing pigtail sit down and you know listen to the radio and eventually come up with this idea of the preserve was great and then the weird moment happens where i was really confused as to what pigtail was doing at the time where she finishes her food and her mom goes okay clean up i'm gonna go do this thing and she runs off and she dumps some food into the garden in my mind is like i thought they were gonna like lean into the pig stuff where she like she hoards food <laughs> and then at night she like wakes up and just scrounges it like a pig and instead, my favorite thing in the entire show happened. 
in that we got to see Bobby, the little the little gopher boy. <laughs> Bobby. Oh my god. Oh. I mean, yeah, okay. that was... <laughs> I love Bobby in the comic. If you you know you've only read the first volume, what was your take on that whole situation? So, there's a scene earlier on where she asked, where Amy asked Pigtail if she's been bringing out carrots to the garden. So I thought she might have a pet. I uh... did not. I didn't think it was a hybrid until she brought out like real food, and then we saw Amy lock everything up, but we still the alarms still get tripped, and I'm like, okay. Well, hopefully this doesn't end up with Amy killing a little baby oh, hybrid yeah. <laughs> that that Pigtail's been racing. But yeah, uh-huh. as soon as soon as he poked his little head out uh, between the bushes, I was like, Dude. "Oh my god, it's adorable!" All I could think about was uh was uh Gus from Saga. Oh yeah, because oh, he's one god. of my he's one of my favorite fluffy boys. Yeah, dude. So I was like, "Yes, I hope nothing bad happens to Bobby Dude. Ever. Okay, so, and... like, Bobby, I don't know. You read the comics, so there's this thing that Jeff Lemire does. I'm going to kind of dive a little bit into the comic here. There's this, or in comics in general. So, Jeff Lemire is a writer. Uh, I think is fantastic. I think he's done some okay books. He's done a lot of really good books and a lot of great books. Um, some of his books that I've liked the most feature characters like this. I don't know what it is, but he knows how to write these kind of strange speaking, super adorable, super lovable characters that have something that's like very special or different about them. I think in this book, Bobby is that character and in, in the comic, I should say, in the TV show, I think we're going to... I don't know how often we're going to see Bobby, but I hope it's every episode for 10 to 20 minutes at a time. It doesn't matter. He's just adorable. Um, but in the comic, you know, Bobby's great. And in his another book that I was thinking about when I saw Bobby for the fir- in my reread of the comic was Driller from Descender. Um, Driller's whole thing is that he's just a drill robot who has very limited, like, sentience. But as he has survived for so long, um, he has gained more sentience. And his whole thing is Driller's a real killer. And he constantly repeats that um, because of something. And we end up hearing about his tragic backstory and stuff like that. And it's wonderful. But he becomes an extremely lovable, consistent character because of his eccentricities. And I think we're going to see a little bit of that of Bobby. Now, I, I feel like Bobby's character is not going to be nearly as tragic um, as he is in the comic, let alone as nearly, I guess, in the, he's not going to be tragic in this story like Driller or something like that. So I, right. I, I very much look forward to see how they're going to play this character out. And the fact that Amy just kind of like brought him in was like, okay, now we have two hybrids. This is our family of these, of these two. I, I loved it so much. And he's so, he's so tiny. <laughs> I just, yeah, well, I, did, I did not think I would giggle like a little boy <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> It it did make me think, like, if the reason that the hybrids can't talk is because no one raised them, right? Right. Well, oh, because we learn yeah. we learn language from being just listening to it by other people mm-hmm. uh, when we're kids or when we're yeah when we're little. So like, I imagine hybrids like he uh, Gus always had um, Puba and and Amy raised uh, Pigtail, so like they can both speak fluently. Mm-hmm. But maybe these mm-hmm. hybrids were kept like in isolation away from people because they people thought that they were bringing the sick mm-hmm. uh, or they mm-hmm. were, you know, let out in the wild. So maybe that's the, the one reason nobody's encountered a hybrid that can talk mm-hmm. is because no one no one taught them how to speak. Right. Uh, well, and there's, there's, kind hear... of, there's, there's a question would... that's brought up in the comic, and I think it'll get brought up in the TV show about the animalistic nature of some of these kids. Some of them are more animalistic than others, I think. And I think 
seeing Bobby, like clearly way more gopher, gopher than child, but seeing, you know, uh, Gus or seeing pigtail a little bit more human than animal. So, you know, there, there is kind of that to be measured as well. Um, and maybe they'll yeah. discuss that more in the show as the seasons go on. There's no way they cover it this season, at least. I need them to bring back the little dog boy that we saw in the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that'd be, uh, yeah, that'd be a good one to see. Yeah. Uh, but I- I'm glad we met Bobby. I will. I've never written hate mail, but if something bad happens to Bobby, Jeff Lemire will get a letter. <laughs> I, you know, I'll be right there with you, man. I'm right there with you. Uh, I guess, yeah, to, to, to wrap this up, I had a couple just so couple bits that I wanted to go over. I think there was a moment between Gus and uh, Gus calling out Bear um, in terms of she saying, well, you know, he, t- you know, excuse me. Gus calls out Bear when she's talking about Jeopard. Like, I thought there was a really interesting moment of, of Bear trying to convince Gus that Jeopard was bad because he did all these things and then blah, 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 blah. You know, she was being very manipulative with him. And I think I don't think Gus necessarily saw through it, but I think his, his naivete and his just innocence in general kind of rang true here when he was like, no, but he may not be very good at helping me, but he tried. And that's all that Gus cares about. Like, he cares nothing mm-hmm. about people's pasts. He cares about who they are now. And I think that that's so admirable and so wonderful. And, of course, I think that's the moment that Bear changed her mind and stuff. I feel like my heart swelled three sizes in that moment um, yeah. just because of how adorable and sweet it was. Um, and the one of the thing that I do want to say was the, the most heartwarming moment of the entire episode. They're, the moment where Gus and Jeopard are running away and they leave a chunk of the forest and they both look around like they don't know where to go and Gus or Jeopard taps Gus on the, on the shoulder gives him a little smile and then nods and they both run in one direction I was like oh so they're a, they're a, they're a family now they're they're a unit they are together in this it's not so long so much I'm taking this kid it's now we're in this together and I'm happy that we're together. And, you know, it's just this small instance. Honestly, you if you blinked, you would have missed it. But I saw that and, like, my eyes welled up with tears. I was so just happy in that moment. Like, Gus put everything on the line for Jeopard. Jeopard was certain he was going to die. And they get out and they both kind of smile in this moment like we're together again. Despite maybe one of us not wanting it more than the other. Um, now we're this unit and we get to continue for it. I thought that was such a just nice, nice moment in the episode. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, I, I think I didn't, I didn't catch the tap, but I did hear him like, "We've overstayed our welcome," and I was like, "That was pretty funny." Cause... Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, um, I think uh, the only other question that I had that we we didn't necessarily get to, which was was how one, how do you hide a body in such a small tight knit community where like all the people are are accounted for, and two. Right. How many times did Dr. Bell fire that flare gun? It must have been a few times, right? Oh, yeah. I guess we did see that there were more. Well, we saw like a full briefcase of flares. But my thought is like Bell was aware of all this stuff, right? Like how, how many times had she done it in the past? Had it been, you know, they've been in this neighborhood for a while, right? It seems like it. So maybe was it a dozen times? Was it a hundred times? How many hybrids has she had access to? That's the thing that's like, like you know, creeping up my spine about this. Yeah, yeah. the The other thing uh, I also was left wondering because we see Bear leave, 
but she has that envelope, right, with all the information on Birdie. So, oh, I didn't even so I don't know. That. Yeah, so I don't know if we're gonna ever. Maybe I don't know what's gonna happen to Bear. I imagine maybe she'll go down to try to find Birdie and mm-hmm. meet up with Gus in the future. I feel like that's how they may reconnect. Yeah, uh, maybe because she left her mask behind. So I feel like she's leaving the she's leaving the the animal um, kids. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, clearly clearly her reign is over, I think, by yeah. the end of the episode. And then last episode, uh, what was the name of the villain? Abbott? Abbott, yeah, they report to him that it's it's her. I was thinking that that meant it was Bear, but now I'm thinking it could also be Tiger, because I feel like maybe Tiger has more of Abbott-like qualities if they're oh, yeah. related in some form or fashion. But I think I I thought that that Abbott was going to confront the animal army in this episode. Maybe they will in the future. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now that they're now that they're broken up. I mean, at this point, like I love the way that this episode ended because it there is one solid story. We kind of know what's going to happen. Um, Singh has to somehow deal with this problem that he's in. But as far as Jeopard and Gus are concerned, like. We have no idea. And I think like Amy's story with with Bobby and with Pigtail are is kind of uncertain. Like they could go anywhere with this. I think the same goes for Gus and Jeopard. Um it's just that you know, as the halfway point through the season, it's such a beautiful time for them to say, Okay, now anything can happen. We're back to kind of a cleaner slate of Gus and Jeopard out in the wild and now Pigtail and uh Bobby with Amy are kind of back in this safe thing. Maybe we're going to see a flash forward kind of talking what you were saying before. We're like, is the timeline kind of out of sync? And now we're going to see a flash forward to like why the preserve and how the word got out about the preserve um, became a thing. So yeah, a lot of questions, but I mean, it's, it's keeping me reeled in. Like, I'm glad that there's not like a predictable, Oh, let's resolve what's going to happen at the end of this episode thing for all three storylines, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we're we're at the halfway point and seems to be like I feel like we're gonna start seeing things get escalate a lot more quickly. Definitely. Definitely. <sighs> well, um yeah, big episode for me, at least. I like I said, I really like this one. I hope that our discussion has given you a little bit more clarity on it. I mean, we'll have to come back for episode five next week. Yeah, for sure. Um well, yeah, I guess to, to wrap things up, Danny, where can people find you on the internet if they want what, to ask more? Before that, oh, go ahead. Did you think of your animal? Oh, did I think of my animal? If I guess if I had to pick an animal to be a part of the animal army, um, I would probably, I mean, like, I'm just going to go fall right back to, like, my fourth grade self and say sea turtle because that's always been my one of my favorite animals. But, like, does that mean I have to catch a sea turtle and, like, or find a sea turtle skeleton, or can I just like make make a paper mache sea turtle helmet? Um, because between the kids, I couldn't tell who had a real skull and who just made something out of paper mache. Yeah, I'm sure they have a 3D printer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, given all the other technology that they had, um, what about Dude, you? That's so cool. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, the turtle's cool because you get to wear a shell. That's true. Um, that's true. So I obviously I think Tiger looks super cool, and I would have picked Tiger if there wasn't one already. But let's say. That that's not available. I'd probably pick like a panda bear. Okay. I think that would look the black and white scheme would look really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, 
it seemed like a lot of animals were picked in terms of i at one point there was a clip of a of a person who had a flamingo head and I was like, <laughs> yes okay all right that's weird who picked the uh, flamingo who picked the flamingo um but yeah i mean good question thanks for reminding me about that uh <laughs> but yeah danny where where can people find you on the internet if they need to ask or give you an answer to what what animal they would pick uh well you can find my personal twitter at echo spider on twitter you can follow listen to my podcast at next issue pod uh yeah that's it cool and and you can check out the zillion of youtube videos that they put out on their youtube channel you should you should definitely go subscribe uh for for Thank me you. uh you can follow at me on twitter at mike rapin you can follow i read comic books at ircb podcast on twitter and instagram um this episode first aired on patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons join today for exclusive series like the ircb movie club giant days of our lives saga of saga and so much more you can join at patreon.com slash ircb podcast if you want to listen to this episode live or come and join an episode in the future, you can do that on the IRCB Discord where we talk about comics and all sorts of crazy stuff. That's at ircbpodcast.com slash discord. We'd really love to have you on the next episode of the show. Shout out to the Sam DS for the wonderful new candy bar antler boy art commissioned. I should have said that at the top of the show, but we have new cover art. If you see it, check it out. It's it's beautiful, brand new. Uh, the music for this episode is Beautiful CS by Robert Farmer. I want to say thank you to everyone out there listening. Danny, thank you again for joining me on this episode. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Comics are good.